Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and I'm joined by my old friend, Michael Rosen. What's up, Mike? Hey, Patrick. Good to see you. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the opportunity to come on and celebrate a tough game. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So the Warriors, they took a 3-1 lead at home at Chase Center, 101-98 over the Memphis Grizzlies. And th- this game had me feeling a lot of things, man. Uh, I don't know about you, but what what were your thoughts? What were your impressions of game three? Because <laughs> it was it was something else. Yeah, well, tough, tough, tough win. A win that shows real experience and playoff grit. And But really, though, what it all came down to, as my, my 14-year-old pointed out, it was all about the shoes, man. After yeah. three quarters of Steph wearing the Craig Sager Memorial flamboyantly colored shoes yeah. uh, as a homage to, to that great broadcaster, he switched it up to those lavender Lavender under armors for the fourth quarter, and everything changed. Flip the switch right there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know Craig Sager was a was a Memphis Grizzlies fan then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but no, it was um, it it was one of those playoff wins that you're just happy to get out of there with that win, no matter how ugly it was, and uh, and as frustrating as that game was all game long. It really just came down to to a, a bit of that championship pedigree showing up at the last minutes and clutch defense, timely defense when necessary, and timely, very stingy, but 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 at least sufficient offense, just enough to get us over the hump. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I am super happy and relieved that the Warriors won this game. But yeah, that frustration, man. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming you're. Uh, you're a better man than I am in the sense that you watch the game like with your with your son or with family or just focused on the game. I'm like texting a bunch of people. <laughs> I'm on Twitter <laughs> reading and and tweeting and all this stuff and it was like a manic experience for uh for everybody on there because I don't know what this team was doing at first. I mean there's a lot of weird stuff. Like I I was thinking of titles for this episode if they were to lose and my title was going to was going to be no excuses because you know there's a lot of variables in this game obviously John Morant is out but we all know that the Grizzlies were like what 25 and 5 or something ungodly without Morant during the regular season but you know the Warriors had every opportunity just to take this game I was like I hope they realize you know I'm and I'm leaning on that veteran leadership this this game was like the fulcrum, right? If they won, then they were going to be up 3-1, which we know isn't insurmountable, but is very, 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 uh, it puts the odds hugely in their favor. But if they lost, they lose home court. They give the, all the momentum back, going back to Memphis 2-2. Two and two. So I was like stunned that they uh, played this badly. And after that first quarter, it's like they start off slowly all the time. That is the thing about this team, right? And I was like, okay, yeah. great. They played like garbage. They were down by four. Let's let's uh, let's see something. But they just never, it never happened. Like I was like, this looks like middle schoolers. No offense to middle middle schoolers, <laughs> but you know where it's like uh, a four point, a five point, six point lead feels like gargantuan. It feels like 15, 20 points because they just couldn't get get past that absolutely and look you got to credit the memphis defense and taylor jenkins clearly adjusted 
to the debacle uh, for of their defensive effort in in game three when the Warriors put 142 points on them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if you would if you had told me at the end of the game that Memphis would have shot 41.7 percent from the field, 25.7 percent from three, and didn't have John Morant in the game, you, you would of course assume another massive Warriors blowout, right? But right. without John in there, and, and this is what, exactly what happened during the regular season when they, they actually played really well without him, they become this intensive defensive powerhouse. They can get both uh, Stephen Adams and Jaron Jackson in there at the same time. They can clog the paint. And just looking at the final numbers, the Warriors shot 40.0% from the field, right, which is twenty mm-hmm. point, more than 20 point percentage points less than in game three and 24.3% from, from three. So their numbers were, were similar, slightly worse than, than Memphis's numbers. So, of course, credit the Warriors, D, for, for shutting down Memphis and, and uh, you know, at least relatively speaking, do, doing a, a strong job against them. Um, but but I, I think the offense was just discombobulated from the get-go. Couldn't get out on runs, even maybe especially the transition offense uh, was mm-hmm. was just abysmal, and and you know it's always two two sides of the coin. You got to credit Memphis for for getting back and getting those long defenders in there, and Kyle Anderson was very disruptive. Jared Jackson and and Stephen Adams um, too, right? A much much maligned, slow, big uh, Stephen Adams um, had had himself a solid game with uh, fifteen rebounds and uh, and ten points and plus thirteen. I mean that's uh, that's that's pretty strong. So. This was, you know, back against the wall, intensive effort from Memphis throughout the game. And thankfully, the Warriors managed to stand up and take those blows and, and somehow turn it around in the last two minutes of the game. Absolutely. You know, uh, they do, Memphis, they do definitely deserve a lot of credit. And all the talk of Steven Adams coming back, like everybody assumed that they were just going to run him off the floor. But, you know, the thing is, it's like, you're right, when... He and Jaron Jackson, I mean, they stopped so many drives at the basket, right? Like they erased with blocks, with just kind of turning people away, uh, forcing them into, you know, those stop, jump in the air, turn around and try to throw it to somebody, but then turn the ball over. I mean, it was it was pretty, uh, pretty rough out there. And, you know, they did a good job closing out on on threes. But this is just one of those games where, like, if the Warriors – don't shoot well, like we saw throughout the season, what are they going to do? And the solution is always to attack the basket. And they weren't able to do that successfully. And then they didn't have anybody who could get off uh, easy, easy twos, you know, like I would have liked to have seen a little bit more Jonathan Kaminga at some points when the game was falling apart. I felt like there were times where getting him above the rim, him getting uh, rebounds or just having his energy out there would have been helpful in those, you know, second and third quarters, especially, but you know, they, they escaped it. I think that Andrew Wiggins and Otto Porter Jr. really, really saved the Warriors tonight. And, you know, I've been talking about Wiggins for, for a while in the playoffs. And if you've listened to any of these episodes, like I am singing his praises cause I'm just very, very pleased with the solid play, right, on both ends of the court. Rebounding, he had 10 boards tonight, 7 for 13, only 1 for 5 from 3, but joined the party. 
and then two for three from the line and 17 points. I mean, that's big right there. He hit big shots throughout the game that really, really prevented the Grizzlies from getting a bigger lead. Because once the Grizzlies got up by like 10, uh, that felt like like 30 to me you know, at that point. And then Otto Porter Jr., you know, the old man of 29 years old or something, four of seven, four for six from three. I mean, he kept them in the game, right? 12 points. When Clay came in for Otto Porter Jr. at the uh, in crunch time, I was like, oh, I, I, that's the rotation. But like, I don't know if that's a good idea. But then Clay hit that out of bounds three in the corner, which uh, which made me delete that tweet right away. <laughs> yeah, OPJ really came clutch there uh, for us in the in the fourth quarter. I mean, hitting those uh, hitting those three pointers um, almost back to back. I think you know in the depths of our agony in that quarter, we were down I think uh, eleven or, or twelve at one point, um, and, and and just kept us in the game when no one was was hitting from deep at all. And and somehow that seemed to unlock a, a little bit of something in Steph. Um, you could see Jordan Poole was was uh, w- was almost afraid to take threes tonight. I think he was 0 for three. Only shot three times from from deep, right? Which is uncharacteristic of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he found a way, which is you got to cre- credit Jordan for for finding a way to stay involved and and driving and cutting and and uh, you know and, and still doing what he does and and playing solid defense. Um, you know, not spectacular, but enough to to get it done and not be exploitable. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's really amazing. I was just noting that, that uh, with just over a minute left, we're down three, um, coming up with nothing on the offensive end and hadn't led all night. And finally, that's where Jordan gets fouled, goes to the line. You know, you can count on him to get automat- automatic two free throws, brought us to within one, come back down, get a stop. And then on the other end, that's when Steph took over, right? And and one thing's pretty amazing. We were down 93 to 90 at one point, and then we scored 11 points straight. The final 11 points that we scored in the game all came from the free throw line, right? Two from Jordan, eight from Steph, amazingly clutch free throws, and then one of two from Wiggins, which at least is better than, than he was at his worst time. So... Uh, you, you know, th- these guys just came through in the clutch and they got those stops when when they needed them. Um, it was uh, it was just a, a gritty, gritty game, grit and grind, like uh, kind of like game one was in the end. Yeah, the free throws. It's crazy because I have more confidence right now in Jordan Poole shooting free throws than Steph. And obviously that's just because Steph has been, what, 70 percent, 75 percent from the free throw line in the playoffs, but you know, and that's why you have them in those moments. But I was wondering like, you know, okay, I got it. You know, they didn't have Steve Kerr, but again, (laughs) the Grizzlies didn't have John Morant, uh, Mike Brown, who is now the Kings coach. I mean, I don't know how many times I like told people like during the game, I was like, Oh yeah, the, the Warriors are playing bad just because they want Mike Brown to, to know what it's like coaching the Kings, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) oh too soon too soon (laughs) but um let me ask you about clay thompson (laughs) i mean you know he was jacking up a lot of shots it seems like he goes back and forth from having a good game of playing within himself and then you know not so good games where he's like looking for the shot that will 
open the floodgates and it doesn't come and he's, he's shooting uh, quick shots in the shot clock or he's shooting like ill-advised shots. I mean, granted, the guys are having a tough time getting off clean looks. The, the Grizzlies did a great job on the perimeter and they did a good job actually cutting off Jordan Poole a lot going to the basket. But uh, how are you feeling about Clay right now? Yeah, a very frustrating game for him, for sure. Um, frustrating for the fans, too, to watch him. But you have to feel for him a bit. I, I think it was 6 of 20 from the field, 0 for 7 from deep, minus 3 on the night, 14 points. And, yeah, you you just got that feeling like he sometimes had from Clay during the regular season in his in his cold moments when he's just pressing and, and forcing things uh, that, that aren't necessarily there. But, you know, also give him credit for, for trying to mix it up. Um, you know, late in the fourth quarter, he had that one drive to the basket, uh, back cut that ended up getting blocked by Kyle Anderson, a pretty clean uh, and, and emphatic mm-hmm. block. But, you know, he, he at least was, was, uh, was trying to mix it up when he knew the deep shot wasn't falling. Um, and then he had that, that nice out-of-bounds play with five seconds left on the shot clock to, to bury it from – Almost deep. He had one foot on the line. Fortunately, that would have that would have uh, would have helped. But yeah, you, you know, you just gotta look for him to to bounce back. I, I think it really is contagious. It, you know, it's it's a cliche, and it's probably not scientifically proven. But it just seems like when 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 Steph and Jordan and Clay all all get cold uh, at the beginning of the game, it just sort of triggers something in your confidence level and you know at some point that that uh that makes it tough to to hit so thankfully Steph was able to find his footing a little bit better um in the fourth at least again all because of the shoes uh but um but then you know it finally settled the team down and and those clutch free throws were just uh just unbelievable it's crazy that Steph Clay Poole they shot a combined 24 24- 57. <laughs> that's, that's, that's wow. disgusting. You know, it, it was a strange game because again, the Grizzlies played well, but it felt like the Warriors were a little bit just sleepwalking through things. Right. Like I know Draymond Green's friend was, was killed that, that news came out. And so I'm sure that affected him emotionally, whatever. He's a professional, but I don't see how it couldn't affect anyone. He had a solid game eventually with 11 boards, five assists, but you know, I, I'm just relieved personally because this has been such a high variance team all season. And a lot of that is due to new guys, young guys, uh, health, uh, guys in and out of the lineup. And then some inconsistency of guys like, you know, Clay shooting and even Steph throughout the year, right? Like his, his cold streaks, his coldest streak since early in his career. So it was like, well, you know, the law of averages for the season, I was like, eventually they would have a game like this. Obviously, all the dynasty teams were far more consistent when healthy, and you could count on those vets coming off the bench who'd been there before. And so seeing this, having watched all the games this season and done podcast episodes about them, I started having flashbacks to those games where they would just go completely flat. But to be honest, they look flatter than than I'd ever seen them before in a playoff game. Bottom line is I'm relieved. Hopefully they clean some stuff up. Hopefully, I don't know how bad Coach Kerr has COVID. I don't know how soon he can come back. But hopefully he gets on the horn with uh, the Kings coach, Mike Brown, and <laughs> reminds him that he's coaching the Warriors, not the Kings. 
and uh, you know, feel free to make some adjustments. Yeah, that 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 would certainly help. It, you know, it, it was one of those games. I mean, it, it was it was certainly their worst playoff game this this playoffs. Um, and and you know, you'd have to go back to some of those earlier seasons to find some some stinkers like this, but. You know, I still have to go back and watch more more highlights. It's hard to I'd have to check to see how many of their missed shots were wide open versus how many were well contested. Um, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the Memphis defense here because they played with real determination. Of course, they really had their backs against the wall. Now they're even further against the wall. And, you know, they were playing like a team with really nothing to lose, um, yeah. whereas the Warriors coming off that huge win, um, 10 point favorites in this game and, you know, probably just took, uh, took some things for granted too. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total made threes, total rebounds and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. But I'm curious, just looking forward, what what adjustments do you think Mike Brown is going to make? What adjustments are, is Taylor Jenkins going to make? What what's the prognosis for Jaw for game uh, for game five? Does Memphis want Jaw playing? I think the answer is yes, but you know you can make a case for no too uh, based on today. You know what what are your thoughts looking forward? I'm really curious because Jaw. I mean, they're not saying how hurt he is, right? Because here's the thing: like if you're down three one, which is not insurmountable especially against this Warriors team of high variance to me it's like if it's at all if it could get worse do you risk it right this is a 22 year old kid and uh, man like his game (laughs) is predicated on athleticism so all it takes is like one massive dunk and then landing awkwardly on his right leg to aggravate whatever it is that's been bothering him. So I don't know if you risk that, but again, I uh, they, they're not forthcoming with the seriousness of it. I thought he was actually going to play today. I thought he was playing possum a little bit and not because I distrust him or think he's a liar, but I was just thinking in terms of gamesmanship, they're saying he's not going to play after the previous game to see if they can get Jordan Poole (laughs) suspended, you know, and I figured we'd see him suit up. But the fact that he didn't, I mean, if he was actually, like I said, hurt, uh, I would think twice because that game is in two days. But if it's just like you needed a few days rest, then uh, I would definitely roll him out there. If he plays, the Warriors have a plan for when he plays, you know, we'll see if some of that stuff works. Obviously, Taylor Jenkins, he can figure out something to do against the zone. And if he doesn't play, I think what you saw tonight is what you'll see again. I, I do think the the Warriors came out just thinking that they could just take this game relatively easily. And then Memphis played hard. They were closing out at the three-point line. They were always helping. There was always somebody else there, it felt like. And so they mucked up the game. And I think they will continue to do that, especially in 
Memphis. Because I don't actually know if uh, that squad without Jaw, if there's a better version of basketball that they that they could play. Sure, they could play better, but is there anything else they could do differently? Because everything they did, they did right. If the Warriors, though, had hit some open threes, I don't know how many were open as opposed to covered, like you said, but like I definitely saw a bunch of open threes. If they hit just, you know, my friend texted me during the game, if they hit 30% in the first half, that would have been an extra 12 points, you know, and they would have been up at halftime, right? So there's not much that I think Taylor Jenkins can do. This would have been amazing if they stole this for Memphis, but if the law of averages plays out and the Warriors can get there, then without jaw, I don't think, you know, my prediction is Warriors in six, but right now I can see the Warriors taking game five, you know, and for the Warriors on their end, uh, better shooting and, you know, just a more, more immediacy. I think the Memphis crowd will help them a little bit, but they'll have some time to figure out what to do against uh, this team without jaw. They'll figure out ways to uh, free people up. They'll figure out things that they could have done when they looked at the film of how of who was open and when and where and where to get shots and maybe figure out how to get more two pointers somehow, some way, you know, Uh, but that length of Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams. And then when they threw in Zaire Williams and uh, Kyle Anderson, I mean, that's a that's a long team. It sure is. And I I think, you know, I think the the worst of all worlds for Memphis would be if Jaw tries to play. Um, but isn't really a hundred percent, and you know mm-hmm. you have to expect a competitor like that in a closeout game at home. He is going to want to do everything he possibly can to get in that game. But if he's not a hundred percent, then he's not providing what they need on offense, and will be even more exploitable on defense, mm-hmm. uh, w- which could be really risky for them. You know, from the from the Warriors' perspective going forward, I, I guess the way I see it is. You know, this is a team that scored 38 points in the entire first half, and then in the fourth quarter scored 39 points, right? So they outdid their, their first half total in that one very, very clutch quarter. And as bad as this game was, as bad as the shooting and, and as discombobulating as it all was, you know, to realize you're a team that was losing for 47 minutes of the game and then took the lead and held the lead in the last minute of the game – that's got to be a, in the end, weirdly, a huge confidence booster. Um, yeah. And and again, it's it just builds on itself with that experience going forward, um, with the feeling that when when they get down, um, even against tough teams in this round, hopefully in the next round and the one after that, uh, you know, they they can hopefully draw on this experience and see that that they can come through even even when things are looking really bleak. So that that's certainly my hope. In all honesty, let's look at the four games. They have shot poorly in three of the four games. Not to get too far ahead, but let me ask you just a quick, quick question right now. If the Warriors were to get through to the Western Conference Finals, who would you rather see, Dallas or Phoenix? They're tied 2-2 right now. Yeah, I mean, that that's tough. Not, not to get too grim, but it's like choosing between cancer and Alzheimer's. I mean, those are two really good, <laughs> tough, tough teams. Uh, from from you know from different perspectives, I'd have to say I still think overall I'd rather see the Mavs. Phoenix has just been so solid and so good, and and so consistent the whole year. 
I think that we can and should beat either team if we get there. I, I do think that if we play our best game, um, we, we actually are a better team than either of those teams. What scares me a little about Dallas is that variance part, right? They, they can put in some real stinkers, but there can be times when Luke is just unstoppable. And I can't remember. I think we, I think we lost the season series to them, right? Maybe two out, two yeah. out of three over, over the course of the year. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, take that with a grain of salt because not everyone was healthy all, all the time. But, uh, you know, Luca is one of those high variance players who can be just utterly sublime and spectacular and then sometimes can just can just blow it on defense and, and get distracted. Um, so overall, I, I'm, I'm more afraid of Phoenix, um, but Dallas has the potential to, to surprise people just like Phoenix is learning in, in this series. So it's it's going to be really tough either way. What's your prediction for the rest of this Memphis series? Uh, I, I think that, that we're going to win game five in Memphis. Um, I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to predict that Jod does not play. Um, even though I know he, I'm sure he really, really wants to, and, uh, it's going to be another one of those grinded out games. But, but like you say, you know, just a few made threes here or there would have changed the total tenor of this game. And it's not characteristic of the Warriors to shoot one for four from three. Um, you know, 24%. It's not really for, for, for Memphis either to shoot that level, but I just, I don't think we're going to see that two games in a row. I'm, uh, I, I predict we win, we win game five by something like five or six points. Hopefully, hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thanks, Mike, for joining me. It's great to see you again. Do you have any other final uh, thoughts or comments? You know, just respect for for the late Craig Sager. Um, not so much for uh, for the shoes. Thankfully, we switched that up and changed the energy and got that 39-point fourth quarter eruption. That is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and definitely check out our YouTube channel. The link to that will be in the show notes. Be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. If you're so inclined, please do give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and also leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. That would be dope and super helpful. Thanks for listening. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time.